0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How are you doing, man?
1: Hey, David. How are you doing tonight?
0: Well, I thought I was going to be writing one of the happiest game stories of the year that, that an Oilers goalie, without a doubt, stole, just absolutely stole a win. And it would have been the first time that that had happened, because the orders were completely and utterly dom- dominated by the Avs this game until the end when the orders started to make it close in overtime. And in, um, But uh, he just couldn't hang on Skinner uh, through no fault of his own. I, I gave him a nine in that game. Mm-hmm. The Avs had 29 grade A shots, Bruce. <laughs> Uh, oh, twenty-nine grade A shots and
1: um how many five 20,
0: alarms? Thirteen and the orders had a twenty uh, the orders had um thirteen um, grade A shots and
1: oh, that's nine about nine seven, shots. seven expected goals by our methods for the Avs. What...
0: Yeah. Just uh they just were Kevin Bieksa thought he that the Oilers are one of the few teams he thought could play with the Avs match up well against them. <laughs> I'm not seeing it. I didn't see it in the playoffs last year and, and tonight didn't change my mind in any way. The the Avs right from the start of the game Bruce were all over Edmonton. And um I'm just going to even strength the it was 20 to 7 for grade A shots for the Avs. So the Avs the Oilers Bruce they didn't have an even strength grade A shot on net until 10 minutes into the third period when Zach Hyman finally got one. That was their first all game long. So it was just a dominant performance and um, my I, well, I'll just start with my good thing. This is our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. In this three to two overtime loss, well, a real quick good thing is, is the owner got a loser point out of this. Um, so all was not lost and that improved my mood considerably, but, um, my good thing is Stuart Skinner. He just, he was fantastic tonight, Bruce. He was, uh, he just so solid through this game and I thought he actually might, might get it done, like might figure out a way to do it. But Nathan McKinnon bearing, bearing down a billion miles an hour, cutting through your two best defensemen, like they were Wee hockey players. Um, in the third period and slicing in on net with a great shot, that'll change things fast. And that's exactly what happened. It was a great play by a great player. They have have two great players in McKinnon and McCarr. I think they're the only two players in the NHL who come close to comparing to McDavid and Drysaddle in terms of their impact on games. They might have every bit as much impact. Um, They had
1: more tonight, I would say.
0: They had more tonight. They had more in the playoffs. Now in the playoffs, Leon Drysaddle was hurt. Now he's still looking a little hurt to me. He's not. He's not. Doesn't look completely agile still to me, um, right now. But um, yeah, McKinnon and McCarl played them tonight, and that's why the abs. That's part of the reason that the abs won. How many shots on net did McKinnon have in the end, anyway?
1: Uh, I'll tell you Back. right away. Uh, Eleven. Eleven. Sixteen he- shot attempts. Eleven on goal. Rantanen had twelve shot attempts, nine on goal, and two that the crossbar. <laughs>
0: Well, McKinnon, uh,
1: line, man. Well, his
0: goal was his 10th shot on net. Yeah. His, it came on his 10th, uh, shot on net. Mm-hmm. Skinner was beat on that. Um, he was beat again. What was the next goal? Uh, in that came, uh, later. Brad
1: the- Hunt. Oh, Super oh yeah. Brad Hunt.
0: Now that's, that was through a, a screen. Excellent. Who that screened him. And, you know, maybe, maybe, um.
1: You know that's why Hunt really can shoot the pill. You know, that was his ticket to the majors when Craig McTavish signed him out of uh, Chicago State or whatever university he came from. No, I'm mixed him up. He went to he wound up with the Chicago Wolves, but he uh, uh, the Oilers uh, uh, signed him based on, I think, largely on his ability to play on the power play and and fire the pill and. And he's always had that weapon, and we saw it tonight. That was a lethal shot right in off the post.
0: Yeah. The overtime goal, McCarr mentioned that he thought it might have deflected in off a stick, and um, mm-hmm. I think Kelly Hurdy mentioned that. I, I think mm-hmm. um, that's exactly what happened. McDavid got his stick just a little bit, and it dropped a bit, but it was still a, just a hell of a laser shot mm-hmm. as McCarr's, you know, charging in. at you know, One of the fastest players in the NHL charging in, making a hard shot, which is slightly deflected, and it went in. So those were the three goals against, but other than that, Skinner, he's, he is, he is a very interesting goalie, Bruce, in that he seems to be outstanding positionally. Um, he just, he's just in the right place constantly to block shots. He looks super solid in the net. He did, he, he doesn't, um, and he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't generally, although he's been, his save percentage has been a little lower. It was 900, I think, Um in the last 10-game segment. Uh, I think remember reading that in your post recently. So yeah. he hasn't been acing it lately, but he aced it tonight. He He's proving that he's the Oilers' number one goalie, and um, he got them the loser point. That was That's on him. That was just fantastic play by Stuart Skinner tonight. So um, way to go, kid. All right. What's your good thing, Bruce?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, my good thing is Zach Hyman. Yeah, he was all over tonight and he was, uh, uh, he's of course scored both Edmonton goals on the power play, uh, just doing his thing, hanging around the front of the net. And, uh, uh, he wrapped home, a nice pass from Connor McDavid for the one, nothing. And then he, uh, uh, jammed a, a, a shot home through traffic that, um, uh, was greasy enough that Colorado uh, uh, called for a uh, a um, video review because they thought it was goalie interference because he kind of jammed into the goalie's pad. But by the time the stick hit the pad, the puck was already through and definitely going in the net. The refs got that one right. Didn't get them all right tonight, but they got that one right. And then Colorado got a delay a game penalty for. Uh, um, uh, for the video review, and then they took another penalty uh, right after that for tripping McDavid, and the Oilers had a two-man advantage for 13 seconds and uh, a, another ex- you know extended power play. So basically had four minutes more power play after 2 nothing. If they could have scored there, and they did come close, it's not like they had a bad power play, but uh, Alexander Georgiev, George V, just built a brick wall in front of his net for the whole rest of the game. He was really good in this game too, I thought.
0: Uh, yes. And
1: uh, it was, uh, he made a couple of fine saves and and uh, it seemed like Hyman, like I said to my, my wife in the third period, I said he's got two goals and he could have had six. I mean, if everything was going in because he had so many great chances. Yes. And then in overtime, he comes out and he, and he wins a board battle and he just p- powers and basically wills his way to the front of the net rings a shot off the post, which I'm not sure there was a lot of room there, but it definitely found iron. The rebound popped in the air and Hyman just whacked it out of the air with like a full contact with it down and right looked like into the net. And I was about to celebrate the the win and somehow Georgiev got a piece of that one. And I, I mean, I guess he must have just whacked it because he didn't have time to move from that range. He must have just whacked it into his foot or something because there was a lot of net there and he made real good contact, Hyman himself just couldn't believe it and then uh, of course seconds later he was the first guy who, uh, you know, who Makar left in the dust at the end I'm not sure Hyman had much of a chance at Makar there but uh, it was the end of his shift and uh, Makar was spinning away from him when he got the puck but maybe on the neutral zone he could have taken a little harder angle on him but he was he was uh, uh at the end of his shift and unfortunately whoever came out to replace him got a big fat minus one for uh no nope, nobody even replaced him he got it so but hyman himself like it's pretty hard to uh criticize his effort in this game and his performance i mean he could have had four or five goals legit uh, you know give him the two he got and then add on all the chances that didn't go in and uh, uh could have been one of those big Payoffs for a lucky fa- fan of shops at Safeway, you know. Anyway, he uh, uh, he was officially credited, David, according to Natural Statik, uh Had the uh, Oilers actually with the edge and high danger chances in this game 18 to 16. I know we saw it different. What we have? A 13 to 9 for Colorado yes. for five yeah. alarms, but they, they score it different and they score. Static things that are going to stats page, like where the shot came from, how close to the net it was, um, things like that. Whereas we tend to score dynamic things like is, is the goalie moving, is the puck moving, you know, across the ice, is the player himself moving, what are the screen guys moving in front of the goalie's vision doing? Like there's a whole lot of stuff going on that, uh, uh, that uh, you can't scrape. From game sheets, so our results are always different. Anyway, according to Natural Stat Trick, Zach Hyman had 11 of the 18 high danger chances that the Oilers had in this game. One player, 11 high danger chances. Holy moly, he was just all over
0: He had nine. Did have no, he had nine shots? They count oh. missed shots as well. So well, that's,
1: they probably that's, counted that post, you know, and they probably yeah. Uh,
0: well, we counted that no. post, too. We didn't count it as a five-alarm shot, though. And-,
1: and and there was one where he shot it, and who was the defender? Uh, JD, J.T. Confer came back, and Rob it looked like he had an open net. This was uh, fairly late in the uh, third period. There was a huge pileup at the edge of the crease, and Georgiev stuffed McDavid, and then it uh, uh, looked like Hyman had the open net, and... Uh, JT Comfort came back and got a little piece of it and deflected it wide. I mean, whether you call it high danger, holy, I th- I thought that was going to be the goal. So
0: I yeah, also Hyman thought, didn't really get a shot how there, come JT
1: dude. Comfort can make plays like that and Edmonton's forwards can't? But that's a different question. Yeah. That maybe I, more belongs under the bad things. Yeah. This may be foreshadowing for me here. but
0: <laughs> Hyman didn't really get a shot there, did he? Like he, I didn't see he a shot. He got a
1: shot that was blocked. Do you so, think it was blocked by Conforte? Yeah, conference? I do. I do, and that's how I'll they have another it. look that's at how that. they scored it. That's how they scored
0: it, it. Hyman, well, we might have to change our scoring because if if stopped that, the goalie wasn't going to stop it, so we oh. would count that as a we would count like when the goalie can't make the save and someone stops the puck from going in the net, it mm-hmm. actually acts as the goalie. We will count that. So I'll have another look at that too. Two
1: two twenty six <laughs> left in the third, I think it was. Anyway, uh, and then of course the overtime. So it was a night where. And, well, the other thing about Zach Hyman, and this 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 isn't going to be my bad thing, but I didn't like this at all. The freaking game management call by the ref when uh, he got tackled and the ref called Hyman for diving to even it up. And, of course, Colorado scores on the four-on-four to tie the game, Mr. Referee. Thanks for managing it there. Graham Skilleter, my favorite. Uh, anyway, uh, it's not going to be my bad thing, but I am going to mention it because that call was weak.
0: Did Hyman kick off the sequence um, on the second goal? He, uh, I think someone, one of the announcers, said it was Drysaddle who got back, but I saw it I, and I, I thought it was Hyman who broke up the two-on-one. Colorado had a two-on-one going up ice, mm. and Hyman—I thought it was Hyman—who stopped that off, and, and that well, the owners got possession of the puck and they never gave it up before uh, scoring their right. second goal on the power play. So um there was anyway. one back
1: check by Hyman where he came a long way back and I think it was on the power play and I, I said to yeah. my wife, I think that's the fastest I've ever seen Zach Hyman skate. It's like a blur coming back into his own zone. And I was very surprised to find out later it was Hyman. But anyway, it was, and it was on the penalty kill because it was uh uh or I'm sorry, on the at Euler's power play to uh uh kind of uh and negate a two-on-one, so it's probably the player you're thinking of.
0: He's got 20, um, 20 goals now, Bruce, in 41 games? That's, that's a 40-goal uh, pace. I mean, you can start to talk realistically about someone being on a 40-goal pace. We are halfway through the year. It's not like yes. early in the year when people are on like 300-goal paces or whatever. It's
1: like, not a fluke.
0: No. <sighs> Man, that game was something. Um... So where are we now, Bruce? I'm just still a little uh, scared. Well, we I did good
1: finished. things, and now we're going to do one bad thing. Uh, do you want me to go first? you went Oh, first, yeah, I went first or? on my
0: good thing. I went out of order there. Sorry, that's why okay. I'm discombobulated. Uh, yeah, go go ahead with your bad okay. thing. Okay.
1: Yeah, my bad thing is uh, Oilers' uh, defensive coverage, uh, much of it by forwards. Uh, but I'm going to single out a particular play that was extremely costly. Uh, this was the tying goal. uh, uh Midway through the third period, where Everton has had led two nothing going into the third, led two nothing going into the third, <clears throat> and McKinnon's already scored a one on a dazzling end end rush. Credit where due, uh, but on the two two goal, it's a four on four, and the orders send out instead of sending out uh, McDavid and Drysaddle like they usually do, they sent out McDavid and Yamamoto, and. The puck went deep into the uh, uh, left-wing corner from Colorado's perspective, so the defensive right corner, and Connor McDavid went into the corner. I think that, too, was J.T. Comfer that he was up against, and he tried to take an angle where he was going to come out with the puck and just sweep around and go pouring up the ice. Well, he got on the wrong side of the puck, and Comfer was able to protect it. And then McDavid, I'm not sure what he did after that, but it wasn't enough. Uh, he kind of stood to the side in the corner, like where the defenseman should be. And uh, Yamamoto's out on, uh, on the uh, near side boards covering his defenseman. And the two orders D-men kind of got their guy. And McDavid's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And a pass gets made out of the corner. And I think it got deflected. By maybe Kulak, Kulak it, was kind of, yeah. it was kind of bad luck, but I mean, he was trying to make a play and he tipped it and it was sliding out towards the blue line. But it didn't get quite get there when Brad Hunt was able to keep it in. And McDavid just goes coasting across through the middle of the ice. And by coasting, I mean like two miles an hour. He's not barely moving. And of course, it's his point man who comes in, gets the puck, skates into the slot, shoots and scores. And there was a point there where, you know, if McDavid had taken, like, even one stride, he's probably got, the the, you know, the skating lane covered. And he just failed on that play. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's like, and and he knew it. I mean, he banged his stick off the crossbar after the puck was in the net. But guess what? That's too late. You know, if you guys are going to learn to hang on to a lead in the third period... You need all of your players focusing all the time. And you make little mistakes like that, and it winds up in your net. It doesn't matter if it's Brad Hunt who's shooting the puck, you know, or some nobody. It might be Nathan McKinnon one time or Cale McCarr the other time. The goal that killed him for me was the Brad Hunt goal. And to me, that was very sloppy defense. You know, four on four, so a somewhat more... uh, 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 unstructured situation, but where McDavid is and where he played it and what he did after he lost the original puck battle. uh, To me, that was just a very poor play and and a very costly one in the end. So Connor, you're great. And i you're my good thing a lot of times, but uh, that wasn't good. Yeah. I,
0: I think the best you could say was maybe he thought he was covering kind of sticking with his man, but man, if he Bruce, it was, like they were all, uh, <laughs> it was like they were all watching the puck. Is it going to get out? Is it going to get out? Is it going to get out of the zone? Yeah. Like after yeah. it deflected off Kulak, they're all watching it. Yamamoto's watching it. McDavid's yeah. watching it. They're watching it. And McDavid, if he had been moving his feet, mm-hmm. Bruce, if he had just been moving his feet out towards that puck,
1: because
0: yeah. just go yeah, for
1: go it. The puck, Take yeah. a few
0: strides because he was still, he was pretty much, like he did coast. But if he had just charged, he would have, there would have not have been a shot. Yeah. And that's the kind of hustle that this team lacks on defense. And it's, it's, it's endemic on the order. No pandemic. There's a pandemic lack of hustle on the orders, Bruce. It's not endemic. Endemic means it's kind of, maybe it is endemic. What are you, am I getting this wrong? Endemic means it's kind of, anyway.
1: There all the time. I call it. There endemic. all
0: the time. Is it endemic?
1: No. Pandemic. That's just part of life. Pandemic, <laughs> you wear, you know. You do your thing and hopefully it goes away after a while. If it doesn't, it becomes endemic. And
0: Yeah, pandemic is the crisis. Endemic is when it's like the normal course of things. That's mm-hmm. what we're seeing, just endemic uh, mistakes through what seems to be a lack of intensity. And it was McDavid this time. It's Oh, no,
1: no, yeah, we single it's out other players there. when it happens to them. And this time it happened to be the one that exactly. really caught my eye in this game that wound up. There were other ones where you know a save was made and quick that you know the whole sequence quickly forgotten typically, but uh, this one there was no save and that was the end of the lead.
0: There were so many other mistakes in this game. Um, so McDavid only made two. We we only have him so far for two major mistakes on Grade A shots against. Both of them um, were on goals against. Leon. But my bad thing is Leon's line, which was hard-matched against the McKinnon line, and got eaten alive. And it mainly came down to CC and Nurse had a really... They leaked a lot of um, grade-A shots against. But I really thought the major culprits were Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins. Um, Dreisaitl at even strength, seven major mistakes on grade-A shots against, Nugent Hopkins, five. And they just seemed to step behind the play all night long in terms of shutting down that really super quick um, line of McKinnon uh Rodriguez and then they move Rantanen into that line in the third period who was the other member in the first was it Lecannon Lekanen in the first mm-hmm. couple couple no. periods but um yeah the what I'll just pick on one play in particular this was in the first period McKinnon is just the abs have the puck in the corner McKinnon is cruising into the slot. Um, There's Leon there, um, and um, I think it was either Hyman or, yeah, I think Hyman as well on this one. And the puck is passed through Nurse um, uh, into the slot, and Dreisaitl just doesn't pick up McKinnon. Hyman doesn't pick up McKinnon. McKinnon puts it off the post, almost scores. This is already in the game. And uh, that was uh, uh, Leon all night long, just a little bit short, uh, getting to plays, getting to pucks, getting beat constantly on grade-A shots, having a pretty rough game. Uh, Nugent Hopkins, same thing. These are, you know, obviously Leon had two um, assists, made mm-hmm. a fantastic pass on um, the first goal through, um, through the crease area to McDavid. And then on the on the next one, he made a great pass to Barry to set up that shot that went in. Um, but defensively, that line just wasn't even close to shutting down McKinnon's line. And I don't, I think the owners are going to have to think hard about this, how they're going to beat the Avs if they ever meet in the playoffs, if the owners make the playoffs. Um I think Bruce that they need to they need to get, they need to activate players like McLeod and Pulleyarvi and Janmark. I think quicker players, um, more defensive minded players, uh, against this line. They need another line to step up and be the shutdown line on a line like that. And I don't know if if they if the Oilers have that if McLeod's ready for that kind of uh, contest. I mean McLeod was the Oilers wrote shot. They had one shot, one shot, four, seven against when McLeod was mm-hmm. on the ice. So it's mm-hmm. not like he was great tonight, but he didn't make any mistakes on grade A shots against. And um, that's what I think the Oilers really need. They need a line they can put out there and play 15 minutes again, 15 minutes a game, even strength against these guys. only they only played him eight minutes. Like, I just think if it's your only role, if that's what you're getting paid to do, you're not... You don't have scoring on your mind. You're just out there, boy. Would that ever free up the McDavid and Drysaddle lines to do some damage against the Avs? Because the strategy that the orders have right now, it's not working. It's not coming close to working. It didn't come close in the playoffs. It didn't come close tonight. And they're gonna they got to try something else. And you know they need a checking line. I think McLeod can do this job. I think Pully RV can do this job. And I think Yanmark can do this job. So that's what I'd like to see tried. They should they should start trying it in some other games. Like don't I know that it means giving these guys more ice time, because the, the the top players on other teams are out there a lot. We'll do it. See if that works. Because what's working? It's not working now. It's not coming close to working. We're halfway through the season. This team isn't figuring out how to play defense. I mean, they had a good game last game after their team meeting, and they all you know they played against the Islanders, a far less dynamic mm-hmm. offensive hockey team, and um, they they had a really solid defensive game, but. Against a good attacking team. They just, they're just, their defense is it's like a big sieve. So try something different, try something new, and see if that works because uh, the status quo is a failure.
1: Yeah. Well, this is a Colorado team that came into tonight's game with uh, five consecutive losses. I think a couple of them were, you know, loser, uh, you know, three point games, but, yeah. they, you know, five consecutive losses. And they played like they were very hungry and desperate to win, which you had to feel, know was coming. And we saw some of their their fantastic skill. Uh, at the same time, this is a team that was missing. Uh, Pavel Franzuz, well, I didn't miss him tonight. This was Georgiev's game, and, and he played great. Uh, but on defense, they're missing Bowen Byram and Josh, Josh Manson. Effectively, their second pairing, I believe that's how they roll. And up front, they were missing uh, Gabriel Landeskog and Valerie Nichushkin, two fabulous left wingers. I mean, Oilers fans, can, you know, when we say we miss uh, Evander Kane, certainly we miss Evander Kane. Uh, but Nichushkin and Landeskog are left wingers of, I would say, similar quality, different different attributes, but, you know, high end. Left wingers. So Colorado was down several courts in this game, and yet they uh, uh, they still had it. And I thought, you know, their depth players had uh, uh, the better of the flow of play. They didn't get any goals, and Oilers' depth players didn't get scored on at all. In the end, it was uh, <coughs> Connor McDavid at minus three in a 3-2 loss, where, of course, he was on the ice for the two power play goals by the Oilers, didn't get credited with the plus for those. Among those beaten on a five-on-five, five, a four-on-four, four, and a three-on-three three goal in one game, so it was uh, you know the top guys that were were uh, struggling. And as you say, the the Drysaddle line, uh, they were spending entire shifts in their own end of the ice with the way Colorado was whipping pucks around and uh, seemingly winning puck battles at. Uh, we're chipping it into a corner where always seem to be a Colorado guy who get there just before the Edmonton guy seemed to. <sighs> they got to
0: start. The owners have to start taking it personally, I think, that McKinnon's getting the best of them in game after game. Like McDavid and Drysdale have to have to make up their minds. We are not going to let this guy beat us again. We're going to beat him. We're going to outplay him. We're going to out-hustle him because he's, he's taken it to them. Credit to Nathan McKinnon he, he really did. there's very few players Bruce who I think take it to Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid hardly anyone like yeah. i you know just it's just it's a, like a class of like one or two and uh, McKinnon and McCar are the two <laughs> they're the two guys
1: <laughs> who okay. consistently
0: do it okay. and Rantanen. yeah this is a tough team it's going to yes. be uh it's a tough matchup for the Oilers and they need i just again i think there's they got to think about their formula maybe trust in Trust in some younger players. You know, that probably sounds shocking, but trust in some younger players and some other players to step up because um, it's not going to happen. Just relying so heavily on these uh, big players. McDavid played 26-25 tonight. Nugent Hopkins, 25-18. Leon Feisaitl, 27-57. What did McLeod play? 13-59. Like... Give them three more minutes. Give them four more minutes. See what happens. And um, anyway, I made my point on that. Bruce, what is your number?
1: Yeah. Yeah, number. Yeah. Uh, I I can't get away from it. Another blown two-goal lead. Fourth time in the last seven home games where the Oilers have led a game by two goals... At any point in the game, and wound up losing all four of those games that they had the two goal. I mean, they won a couple where they also had a two goal lead at some point, but they basically lost the equivalent of a best of seven series just in games where they actually held a two goal lead and were unable to hold it, and also crucially, unable to build on it. Uh, you know, like the 5-2 loss to Vancouver, they got out to the two nothing <laughs> jump in the first, and Vancouver tied it in second, and then got three more in the third. The two, uh, the 5-2 loss to Seattle earlier this week, Oilers had a two nothing lead after uh, uh, early in the second, and then Seattle got four in like 10 minutes, and they, and Edmonton never had any response. I mean. I recall you know Evans had no grade a shots from two nothing till after it was five two and then truly in garbage time and uh, earlier the one against st. Louis where they led three one uh, more than halfway through the third period let that one get away tonight two nothing starting the third period like What's it going to take? Like, what do you need? Like a five-goal lead? I mean, <laughs> seriously. Like, either, yeah. now, either learn how to defend the lead or else learn how to score more goals to build on it. One of the two. We'll probably got it done a lot of nights. And yet there was here break defensive breakdowns. They did come close to scoring, I'll grant you, but uh, they never did it find the way to get that third one tonight. Uh, four times in seven home games. Like
0: yeah, and the you know, bad
1: they, they won they won one of the seven games. Couple
0: yeah. really bad penalties too. Aid Costin in the neutral zone, and then Dreisaitl's, uh retaliatory penalty in the third period. Like those were just mm-hmm. you just can't take those penalties when you're yeah. you're trying to win the game. Like yeah.
1: I didn't like the one on Hyman and I hated also the one on dry settle in the first period where he got a penalty for taking the opponent's head off, helmet off, <laughs> head off, his helmet off. Uh, a rule that I might add that was brought into the books last year after Colorado against Edmonton uh, won the game by pulling Darnell Nurse's helmet off. That was Nazem Kadri that did that. Remember that game in overtime where Nurse had to uh, go to the bench and, and, Colorado Cat was a cadre even who scored. Anyway, it was a nightmare. So he changed that made a rule against that. And guess what? First time Edmonton plays Colorado, Edmonton gets a penalty for it. But never mind that. I mean, look at any of the replays, but especially the load of the ice one. And the comforter, I think it was him again, that brought his hand up. He put it on Drysaddle's shoulder pad and then it basically into his face and just ripped him down to the ice. And... I mean, at minimum, it was two minutes each, like the way they call that greasy uh, diving call, you know, to even it up. Well, how they couldn't even up that penalty when Drysaddle basically gets horse collared and dragged to the ice? like That was bad. Oh, man. He had his
0: arm over Drysaddle's shoulder.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, come on. Yep. Yeah. A- no, it was as obvious a hold as you can possibly get, I think. And- yeah. So I said to my wife, I think. Well, I said I'm waiting for the intermission because the announcers say. I mean, uh, Harn and Ryan, he saw it right away. But as soon as the ref called it something different, they kind of deferred to the ref, which I I personally don't do that. <laughs> and I thought it was a crappy call. And I said, will got that in the first first intermission, but Bexa, uh, I lost respect for Bexa because he uh, he he didn't see it, or he. I'm not sure how much he likes the oil, to be honest, but. Uh, uh, the other uh, panelists got it, but uh, I'll be let me down. because so I said he would catch that one for sure. And, and and rail on the refs on my behalf, but even.
0: It's a pretty high event game to, to, uh, yes, you know, was. There, was, there was so there was much happen- lot
1: going on. Yes, there, there was, was a lot
0: going on. So I did, like, as I was, I was writing the game grades through the game and man, I was busy all game long. Uh, that was a. Uh, that was a
1: uh, high event game.
0: I mean, it's, it's like double the number of scoring chances, grade A shots that you get in a game. So that was,
1: that was 29. Pretty cool.
0: Speaking of that, my number is, mm-hmm. is uh, the 29 grade A shots, which was the most grade A shots the orders have given up this year by far. The, uh, the next highest amount was 20. Um, and that was, let me just figure this out, against the Washington Capitals when the Oilers also lost three to two. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuart Skinner also was unbelievable was in that
1: game. He was first star in that game.
0: Yeah, so he's it's it's interesting, you know. I, I, I've talked about how an Oilers goalie hasn't stolen a game. It feels like Stuart Skinner's stolen a lot of games. Mm-hmm. But what happens is he plays he's he's played absolutely brilliantly in about four or five or six losses. Um, that the orders have had, and um, this this was another one, and that Washington game was one. So they gave up 20 grade-A shots in that one. They gave up 15 five-alarm shots in that Washington game. This one was 29 grade-A shots and 13 five-alarm shots. So this was actually, in, in terms of expected goals against, it was higher than the Washington game slightly, but Skinner was uh, brilliant in both games, and hopefully we'll see some brilliant games from Jack Campbell. The orders are going to need that if they're going to uh, make a, a run here and. Um, you know, become a playoff team, uh, uh, which I think they're going to do. I'm not, I'm not giving up hope, but um, I don't know what it is, Bruce, this defensive play, like.
1: Yeah. Well, we, Natural Star Trek, and uh, I'll emphasize again, they do it different than us. They do counts, uh, uh, but they have no quality control. Um uh, uh, they had uh, shot attempts, the Oilers with 42%. This is all situations throughout the game. Uh, shots, 40%. Scoring chances, 40%. But high danger chances at 53% for Edmonton. But overall, expected goals was uh, 3.2 for Edmonton, 4.2 for Colorado. And at 5-on-5, five five, those figures were... for Colorado and 0.79 for Edmonton uh, for expected goals of five on five. Edmonton's power play was devastating. And in fact, they had lots of chances. That's where they did get both their goals. And five on five, they generated uh, not a lot, not near enough. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think if, if the, if the, the Natural trick guys watched that game, they would agree that the Colorado had way more really great scoring chances than scoring opportunities than uh, than the Oilers did. Um, but anyway,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, they had high dangers at 11-6 Colorado at 5-on-5. Five five. So in other situations, which of course included the 3-on-3 three three overtime where Edmonton did have some some dandy chances, uh, all other manpowers uh, but 5-on-5 five five would have been then 10-3 10 to oh, 12 to 5 for Edmonton. and you know that that's the thing that's really strange this year is that Edmonton's five on five play has been pretty mediocre or worse for much of the year. But they score a ridiculous number of their goals at other strengths, and, and uh, uh, of course, power play being the obvious one, but uh, the orders are they they kind of boss games at all of the situations and McDavid's and Drysdale's stats really reflect this as well but 5 on 5 is just not good enough and tonight they were the second team by a mile at 5 on 5
0: yeah and often it's been the goalie right like often the problem has been the Oilers goalie and tonight mm-hmm. it just it wasn't it was the oh. it was the team all right Bruce when's the next game
1: monday? uh monday night monday night
0: are
1: they on the road? I hope. Yeah, we're going now. It's all late games for a while, folks. Next week there's four road games, and they're all at eight or eight thirty. And I got the schedule right here. LA Kings on Monday, eight thirty Mountain. Uh, Anaheim Wednesday, eight eight thirty as well. I got really tiny font here maybe that one's eight o'clock san jose friday at 8 30 then vegas in the late game in hockey net in canada next saturday at eight o'clock so that'll be a back-to-back and a tough one uh flying uh flying east from california to nevada and you know playing a real tough team in the back end of a back-to-back so this this week is going to be uh it's going to tell a tale for the orders you know they've played one game against the home game against the kings lost it one home game against the ducks lost that haven't played the sharks at all this year, and you know that's a team that's down and out in the standings that you know they have to make hay against but this is the order so who the hell knows what they're going to do in any of those games
0: all righty let's leave it there bruce thanks for talking tonight
1: all right thanks for listening everyone